You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. We're going to continue our message series on Galatians this morning, No Other Gospel. And would you please join me in welcoming our pastor of children and outreach, Miss Mary Margaret Leroy. It's working. Yeah, there it is. Okay, I thought I had it already. Yes, we are married. I don't just kiss people. And he better not just kiss people. That is not a good day. <laughs> I, <have> to <laughs> I just can't let it go. There have been times we have these little like kind of pretend conversations like what just happened. It's like, well, it better be a good time because it'll be your last good time. So anyway, okay, letting it go. We're in church. Come Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is fun. I'm going to read to you our passage for the day. Um, again, I'm for part of this, uh, continuing with the series in Galatians, uh, chapter 4, and I'm going to read to you verses 8 through 20 from an actual Bible. Hear that? Makes noises. For, and I'm not saying that when you have it digitally, that's not actual. Okay, I don't, don't, want to, don't want to offend anybody. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. By now that you know, oh, sorry, but now you know God, or rather are known by God. How is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. You have done me no wrong. As you know, it was because of you, uh, because of an illness, that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What happened to all your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good. That's a t-shirt right there. Um, and be always and not just so when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed by you. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We worship you. Father, I just pray that you would come and you would speak um, to each of us uh, what you want us to do, who you want us to be, and how you want us to, to find you. Thank you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so one way to think about these Galatian behaviors is sort of like a before and after project. Um, uh, the home makeover shows like Fixer Upper and Property Brothers, you know, those are ones that you have big before and after. Just talking to Kristen, they're destroying their house. Oh, shoot, my hair in this microphone drives me insane. They're, you know, doing a ripping up their, what did I just do? 
ripping up their floors, so they've got a, a good before and after. Um, and there's, uh, you know, like when they're trying to sell weight loss programs or face creams, I'm a sucker for those. It's the, the before and the after. And so I want to show you a picture. There we are. Isn't that a great before and after? The top part is obviously the before, and the bottom part is, is the after. And it really demonstrates how ridiculous just ridiculous it is to think or to like, why would you want to go back to the before, especially in a, in a spiritual sense? If you look at this pie, the top part, that's the raw part. It is nice, neat, all the berries are in order, everything is perfect, it's regulated, and it's safe. Then you put it in the oven and the chemistry happens. Um, the amino acids interact with reducing sugars of high temperatures to produce a range of complex molecules, in other words, delicious fat. <laughs> but look at it. It's, it's messy, it's, not this, it's uneven, and it, the, the berries have burst. They're free. It, this is what, you know, when the worship, this is what heaven, this is what it looks like, feels like, that. So yeah, so you can go and say, hey, heaven's like a pie. <laughs> so this idea of, you know, how would that pie ever try to go back to the, to the before? But we as humans, we have a hard time not wanting to go back to our before. And um, <laughs> so Reese and I work out it may or may not be apparent, but we do. And, and we have for a long time. Um, I started in middle school because middle school was not kind to me. Just wasn't. I have <laughs> so I started running then. And we went to college, and um, the college, Reese and I both went to Oral Roberts University, and their whole thing was um, when you're in high school, you're active. When you get to college, you develop a habit of not being active, and then the rest of your life you're battling your weight and heart disease, yada, yada, yada. And so to help you not be that way, you're going to take a PE class every single semester you're here, and you're going to do a three-mile run every single semester you're here. And don't worry, if you have some kind of disability or ailment, we have something that's an equivalent for you too. So, and what their thing was, like, you set that, that habit, that really good habit, and it, for us, it stuck, more or less. And so, <laughs> last November and December, we took a big break, and then we were like sad people who don't ever work out, and they tried January. And so, because Reese and I have, have done this you know, years, we know how the gym scene works, okay? Everybody gets all like, I'm going to exercise all this time, I'm going to do all these things. And then you know what you people do? You come get in my class, take my spot for about two or three months, and then you're going to be gone. So I'm just waiting you out. Reese and I are just waiting. The parking lot's going to get clearer. We get to have our favorite spot and body pump again. Because it takes about March, they start dropping like flies. Because that's just human, human nature. We just do that. I did a whole bunch of reading on like picking up bad habits and all. Why do we return to those things? It's just kind of part of our, our condition. So Paul, he's really emphatic. I mean, I did not make up those exclamation points. He, he put them in there. He is really emphatic here. And he is very clear and very open about his frustration with, them, with these people, his love for these people, and his immense disappointment with them. 
So why was he so upset? Because they wanted to return to slavery. They wanted to go back to that. Um, they wanted to go back to the kind of ultimate before. Throughout Galatians, Paul refers to the story in Exodus. Um, the Israelites were held captive by the Egyptians. Uh, and during that time, the only thing they had to sustain them was the law and its promises of freedom through a coming Messiah. So after a series of conversations between God and Moses, and after a series of plagues, they were released. How's that for a yada, yada, yada? <laughs> Left out a bunch of stuff there. Um, but what happened was, this is when they began the pattern of faithfulness and faithlessness. Yes, we promise to love you, God, and all things will go well. And then they would decide, no, it's more fun to worship idols. And then things would fall apart. And they put that on repeat, and they never took it off. And to this very moment, we have never taken it off repeat. The pattern is the macrocosm that we live in. Every person is born into the slavery of this. Call it part of the human condition. So, but back to the Israelite narrative. So once they were free and entering the promised land, and this was like 40 years after wandering in the desert, um, God laid this pattern out to them very clearly. And more importantly, he laid out the way to break that pattern. In Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I place before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life so that you and your children will live. And love God, your God, listening obediently to him, firmly embracing him. Oh yes, he is life itself. A long life settled on the soil that God, your God, promised to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This passage is part of the law, but yet even it, the passage itself points away from the law and points towards relationship. You can't say things like love, listen, obey, embrace, without understanding there's an intimacy and it's beautifully referenced in our Galatians 4 passage. But now you know God, or rather, are known by God. To be known by God is life. It's a vulnerable and open life. To live by the law, by rules and rituals, that's choosing death. It's going back to the raw pie. <laughs> um, because what they were doing is they were putting the law above the creator of the law. So choices. Israel had them. The Galatians had them. We have them. For the Galatians, it was the observance of special days and seasons and years that was trying to lure them back into slavery. Um, and it's not that Paul had a problem with celebrating stuff. I mean, these first century Christians were already, you know, having days of celebration. It wasn't that. It was his problem was with the specific days and months and years that they were so attracted to and celebrating because those were the very ones that spoke of a coming Messiah. He had already come. So what they are doing in effect is they're calling God a liar. They are saying Jesus is not the Christ. 
it would be very similar to recent I've been married for 33 years. It would be like if I all of a sudden started planning our wedding. That's weird, okay? That's just wrong. And that's what they were doing. They were acting like that this relationship had never, had never happened. They were saying that the sacrifice of Christ was just not enough. They were choosing idols, um, the idol of an empty ritual. They were trying to do, but go back to the before part of their story. In our context, we aren't really returning to the law. I can't say what things each of us struggles with or, or deals with. Maybe thoughts, maybe things that we read, things we watch, or how we handle our relationships. But I do know that there is something that tries to pull us away from being known by God. There is something that wants our worship. There is spiritual warfare that goes on every moment of every day over every soul. That is just true. Um, But we are not left to flounder alone out there. Jesus is with us. And a really cool thing to me is um, what Hebrews 7. Therefore, he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus is interceding for us right this minute. And he is our advocate. John 1 says so. so again, so we're not left to our, to our own devices. And we, like the Israelites and the Galatians, we have choices. We have daily choices. Will we choose life and freedom or will we choose death? So, why would the Galatians choose death? Why, why would they make that, that choice? Well, N.T. Wright puts it this way. The world of freedom was wild and worrying. The Galatians are determined to return once more to the world where life seems safer, more regulated, where you know where you are. In other words, the life of slavery. And, you know, Exodus 14, 12, they, things had gone awry in the desert and they got really ticked off. And they said, didn't we tell you, talking to Moses, didn't we tell you that this would happen when we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us stay slaves in the, uh, to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. <laughs> but we do the same thing. When God doesn't answer a prayer, when something terrible happens in our life with disappointment, why did you? Why didn't you? Why? The regulation of slavery was more desirable than the freedom of the spirit. And to be honest with you, I kind of get that. I have told Reese on more than one occasion that I would have been an outstanding Old Testament Jew. Outstanding. I, I love lists, I love checking boxes, I just, yeah! I mean, seriously, and this is like right out of Exodus, you tell me, what is easier to do to follow the rule that says, don't boil a baby goat in its mother's milk, or love those who curse you, you know? Pray for your enemies. You tell me which one's easier. I'll take that goat any day. So I, I get it. I mean, if there wasn't something about the other, 
that was attractive, we would easily go, yeah, I will never, you know, it's so funny. Well, it's not funny, it's interesting. Um, one of my kids, especially when there's been some kind of evil thing, she, she says, God should never have given us choices. <laughs> well, it just wouldn't look like this if there weren't choices. And really, the next time she says that, I'm going to tell her, what you're actually longing for is heaven. Okay, it's like there's still choices, but they're just all like, like good choices. Um, but Jesus, Jesus had choices. He dealt with spiritual warfare. If we're going to believe he was fully God and fully man, we have to embrace that. You have to know that he was not a programmed robot and just sent down. He wasn't an angel who just had to do the work. He had choices. And he, again, he dealt with spiritual warfare. Our Savior, our intercessor, our life. He could have chosen a very human response. And that we wouldn't be sitting here. <laughs> but he had that choice. I want you to take a second and let's look at Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Fancy that, he was hungry. <laughs> I get hungry after four hours. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil took him uh, to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, then throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to a test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. So Christ was tempted physically, he was tempted emotionally, he was tempted spiritually, and each time he responded by leaning into the relationship he has with the Father. Every time. We tend to love control in order to be safe. And that goes back to speaking to, to the regulation of slavery. We, like the Galatians, can prefer the physical over the mystery of the gospel. We can easily choose the safety of slavery, of what we know. And I just can't be up here and talk about safety and not read that passage from the Chronicles of Narnia. C.S. Lewis says, okay, so he didn't say it, he wrote it. Um, Aslan is the lion, the king, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Because he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I will tell you, the king. And that is the thing. When we step into this life, when we choose this life of faith, it's not. It's not remotely safe. And, you know, okay. <laughs> so 
safety is a big thing. I want everyone to be safe. Yay, safety, seatbelts, the whole, everybody be safe. You know, when um, we were started having kids and we, you know, got the big, the car seats and it's just, you know, and you have to sit in them until you're 25 years old and all that. The, you know, my dad made the comment, he goes, they didn't have car seats when I was first born, but when my brother came along, he was, he's five years younger than I am, they had car seats and my dad made the comment, he goes, you know, he was looking at us, get that all situated for Lily. And he said, the car seats we had for you guys and for your brother, they were designed to kill you. <laughs> they were up high, so if there was a seat, you could just go right through the windshield. Just, just right through. But, you know, frankly, we've made safety an idol. You know, we really have. Um, we have... Love is my favorite thing, Okay. Jesus and, you know, me coming to the vineyard, I just, I love, is just, he loves. And he has cracked my heart open so that I love people I never dreamed I would love. People groups I never dreamed I would love. And when I'm in their presence, I feel his presence more than any other time. But it's weird and it's not safe. (laughs) In a spiritual sense. There's a scripture that we read in the um, uh, Good Friday service. It's from Joel. Rend the heavens. Father, break our hearts with the things that break yours. That's what our freedom looks like. That's what our freedom looks like. So when Paul um, had been with the Galatians um, before, prior, in person, their hearts had been open to the amazing, transformative power um, of the gospel. They experienced that transformation. Um, but what had happened in his absence, there had been two groups, two levels of believers had developed. One, the Jewish law-abiding set of believers, and the other, the Gentile non-law-abiding. And one group wanted into the other group. Uh, they just, they, they wanted in. They wanted into that particular group. Um, we may not be wanting into a particular group, but this passage should still stir up some questions within our hearts. What, what's trying to turn me ever so slightly from belief to disbelief? My grandfather, his pastor, um, used to, he quoted scripture like, all the time. That's how I know all the mean ones. But, I mean, he's lovely man, lovely. <laughs> he just wanted everybody to go to heaven. That's, that's all he really wanted. But there was um, a scripture, it's probably the only non-sexual scripture in the Song of Solomon. <laughs> and if you haven't read it, read it. He, and he goes, you know, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And what that means is, it's the little things. It's the little choices, the little decisions that just gently turn our head from the Christ to the other. It's the little things that can cause damage. It's like going back to, to my gym, to the gym story, you know, and back, back in November and December when Reese and I took a sabbatical from health and well-being and working out. <laughs> we weren't, well, I didn't sleep well. Well, I got all this stuff to do, and it just, 
I'll go tomorrow. And um, <laughs> tomorrow never comes, as we know, until January 1st, then we're all on it. Um, but it's that thing of, well, I'm tired, I'm busy. I'll spend time with God tomorrow. I don't really have time to be in a small group right now. I don't need prayer. There are so many volunteers on that graphics team or kids or pantry or connect, whatever. They don't need me. But it's also those small things that win great victories. It's through the listening in the quiet moments, the awareness that you are not alone, the wind of joy that blows across your heart for no real reason. It's reading that verse of Scripture. It's the surrender to the power and the love of God that transforms us. It's beautiful and terrifying to be free. So what is the spiritual freedom or the spiritual adventure that God is inviting us into? Or what's the idol that he is asking us to stop worshiping? Where are we preferring the safety of slavery over the freedom of Christ? Where is that happening? So let's stand. <laughs>